I just want to give honor right now. We have something that is incredible that is about to go down. We've got what is called a five for five. So we got five different pastors that are about to take this stage and release a word on creation. No, I'm creation, right? The gospel. Thank you. I messed that up first service and you guys got to see the round two of that. <laughs> All right. So we are going to be covering the gospel. We got five different uh, pastors coming up here to do that. But I want to give honor to our lead pastors, Pastor Mike and Pastor Julie Signorelli, and say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for allowing us to take this stage, for allowing us to mess up every once in a while. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, on behalf of every single person that's about to get up here, we are grateful for you. We honor you. And uh, we just want to say thank you. So let's jump into it. Come on, guys. I got five minutes to preach on creation. So we're going to do this thing. And then, man, if you were here for first service, you know it went down, right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's go. Round two. Let's do this. All right. So you guys know pretty much the story of creation. You go into Genesis 1 and uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, and you've got the whole uh, story of creation pretty much lined up there for you. And if you're anything like me, and you go through a span where you're like, oh, crap, I didn't read my Bible in a while. <laughs> What's the first thing you go back to? Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and you start reading it all over again. And I've probably read this like 2,000 times, but I was preparing for this message, and I just kept getting revelation after revelation after revelation to the point where I was like, all right, God, stop, because I only have five minutes. I can't cover it all with what you're giving me right now, so I had to pick and choose. So <laughs> let's jump into it. So in, in Genesis, you've got God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and without void, so he created those things, and he created the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all the um, creatures that roam about the earth. And then you come to this part in Genesis, 2 7 where it says and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and this is where we come into play this is where God creates us but I want you guys to just get this picture get this image with me like kind of go there with me can you guys do that are you guys ready all right all right all right okay so I'm gonna go back through this it says and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So picture this. God is in the garden. He's in the place of perfection. Everything is going good. And he starts stirring up the earth. He starts stirring up all this dust. And he starts doing what he does. He's creating. And he creates this man. He creates this silhouette, this human being. But there is nothing. This person is completely unalive. And then listen to this. This is the second part of that verse. It says, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Come on. Guys, we sang rattle today where the dry bones started to come alive. So I'm going to go. In, I'm going there. I'm going into Ezekiel 37 uh, verses 8 through 10. And it says, indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Does that not sound a lot like Genesis 2, 7? 
<laughs> Did we not just read that in Genesis and now we fast forward to Ezekiel and God brings Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones and there's all these dead bones around and he's saying, Ezekiel, can they live? And, <laughs> and then we have the same thing going over again. It says, but there was no breath in them. So fast forward, verse nine and 10, it says, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. These bones were now battle ready. Come on. We are getting into this series battle ready. And what better way to kick it off than a bunch of dry dead bones becoming alive, having the breath of God breathed into them and becoming ready for the battle. Jump with me to Ezekiel 37.3. It says, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. <laughs> Every time I read this, I look at it and I'm like, I just try to get that dialect of what Ezekiel and God were talking about and how they were communicating. And I just hear Ezekiel like, come on, God, you already know the answer. <laughs> you know what's about to go down. And I just feel like God is like smiling back. He's like, oh, yeah, Ezekiel, I know exactly what's about to go down because I already did this once before in creation. At the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter two, when I breathed life into a dead being and I'm about to do it again but this time I'm using you Ezekiel I'm taking you and I'm having you prophesy to the bones prophesy to the breath and see that those bones may live so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to prophesy over every single one of you in here today every single person on the live stream whether you're in your living room your kitchen you're at a watch party I prophesy the breath of God will begin to come and fill you up up right now. I speak to every single dry bone, the dry bones of complacency, the dry bones of religion, the dry bones of sexual sin, the dry bones, whatever they may be in your life. I speak life. I speak the breath of God into you. Come on. That's all I got. So let me give it up for Pastor Evan. So good, Pastor Chase. Come on. Can we, can we give him one more hand? Well, anyways, church, I'm going to be talking about the fall of humanity, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> I think it's, it's no secret that the world is pretty messed up, right? I think if nothing else, the past year and a half has made us all painfully aware of that fact. I think uh, if we're all being honest, we all have this feeling that not only is the world messed up, but but my world is messed up, that your world is messed up. See, humanity on a global and collective scale, as well as on an individualistic and personal scale, is broken. And we all know this, right? Like, I think if we're being honest, we each have an awareness that this world that we're living in and this life that we're living out is not how it should be. It's for that exact reason that a cancer diagnosis will rock you to your core. It's the reason that an infidelity in a marriage is so hurtful to so many. See, there's a mismatch of expectations and reality. 
There's, there, there's a knowledge that's been encoded so deep inside of you that tells you of how things should be that's constantly being confronted with the way things actually are. And, and if you're listening to me today, church, and you feel perpetually caught in this trap of feeling like your best efforts are never enough or feeling like you're constantly falling short of where, what, and who you should be or that you're powerless to set the world right or at the very least to set your world right, I want to tell you that there is a hope available to you today, church, and that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. But there is one thing that we have to allow Jesus to deal with in us before we can fully become who we were created to be, and that thing is sin. I want to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 3 through 5 to you. It says this, he said to the woman, this is Satan, the serpent talking, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, you may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Spoiler alert, they eat the fruit. And so here we see where sin first entered the earth. And I want to actually define sin for us today. Sin in the original Hebrew is the word chata. Say that with me, chata. Get a little phlegm into it, chata. The person, uh, the person ahead of you thanks you for that. But it means to fail or to miss the mark. Chata, sin, to fail or to miss the mark. So the next logical question that we should be asking is, okay, well, what's the mark? What's the goal? If sin is missing the mark, then we need to know what the mark actually is, right? And church, listen to me. The original design of humanity, the original purpose of humanity is to be images of God. And see, the reason that humanity fell from grace in the Garden of Eden wasn't simply because Adam and Eve failed. It was because they had the desire to be successful in the wrong goal. See, no, no longer was their goal to be an image bearer of God, but rather it became to be the God of their own life. And so I, w- I want to make this really practical because I'm, I'm praying this helps you today. What are the things in your life that you have made yourself the God of? Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your business, or dare I say, it could even be your ministry. And I know some of you guys are thinking like, Pastor Evan, I'm a believer. I know I'm not the God of my own life. I know where God sits on the throne. But if I could challenge you lovingly with this question, what are the things in your life that you trust yourself to handle more than you trust God? I wonder if like Adam and Eve at the core of your deepest heartache is this sense that you're fighting the losing battle of trying to be successful in the wrong goal. But let's say, let's say you've got the right goal. Let's say you've got your sight set on being an image bearer of God, being an image of God. As I bring it to a close, I want to leave you with this. We're talking about how sin is missing the mark, but the truth is, church, that we are incapable of hitting the mark on our own. 
See, we're sinners in desperate need of a savior. And we're talking about the gospel message today. The gospel, it just means good news. But the only reason that the good news is so good is because there's a dire need for a solution to the bad news called sin. And that solution is the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And that's what you have access to today, church. So step out. You don't have to strive. You just have to surrender. Amen. Amen. Come on. Wasn't that so good? Well, I just got 20 pages of notes, so that's all right. You guys are going to have to bear with me. I want to talk to you about the gospel that rescues, the gospel that rescues. Taking my text from Ephesians chapter one with two verses, seven and eight, and it reads this. In him, say that with me, in him. Not you, not you, not me, in him. We have redemption, that's a big word. We're gonna go right back to it and break it down. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses or sins according to the riches of his grace. And I love what Paul says here in verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So let's go back to that word redemption because that's a very powerful word there. Usually it has a few meanings in the New Testament. But what Paul is doing here is the whole chapter of verse 1, he's going into a crescendo where he's talking about this glorious grace that we have in Christ. And that glorious grace leads to redemption. And the Greek word that he uses there is called apolutrosis. I want you to say that with me. Say apo, lu, trosis. You're all Greek scholars. Congratulations. This is what that word means, redemption. It means it's the selfless act of liberating someone for a price from slavery, spiritual bondage, and captivity. Mm, Come on. At the expense of death. It is full payment with the intention of returning each of you to your original design. And what I want us to focus on is this. God's perfection rescues us from our imperfection. Oh, I don't know. Some of you didn't hear me there. God's perfection. Some of us are in striving mode because we're trying to be so perfect when we're imperfect. But God's perfection is rescuing me from my imperfection. I don't have to strive anymore. You can either choose to be redeemed by by blood or esteemed by the world. You have that choice here today. And it's a rescue attempt. Don't you love rescue attempts? We can't pay our own debt. So Jesus took on the tree of death so that you and I could have the tree of life. But there's this misleading gospel that's lurking in the corridors and people are talking about it in conversations. And I'm going to talk about it. Because on the one side, you have legalism that says you have to follow a whole bunch of set of rules to get saved. And on on the other end of the spectrum, you have relativism. Everything is relative. Life is life. Do whatever you want. But I want to tell you that at the center of that is God's grace. And it only happens by the blood of Jesus. The gospel is good news. It's not just some good advice. So we got to stop treating it like if it's just some good advice. 
It's news that we have been rescued from ourselves. We've been rescued from who we are. Can I tell you what the gospel that rescues is not about? Is that okay? Can I do that? The gospel that rescues is not based on your opinion, but the fact that Christ was obedient to the point of death. The gospel that rescues is not about your own personal revival, but a universal display of spiritual awakening for all people and for all nations. The gospel that rescues is not how popular, how popular you think you are, but how precious his blood is. Come on, church. The gospel that rescues is not about your possessions, but how we become acquired and possessed by God at the cross. I don't know. We sang that song when the shackles hit the ground, and I know I hear some shackles right now hitting the ground. Shackles of addiction, shackles of striving, shackles of thinking you're perfect, shackles thinking you're popular. I don't read about some of you in the history books. <laughs> Maybe I will, and I hope so. But any other variation of this gospel is no gospel at all. And the heart of the gospel is redemption. And the essence of that redemption can only come through the sacrifice of Christ. That's why Jesus had to tell these religious leaders, it's not about you being esteemed by the world and looking a certain way. He says in Luke 16, you are those who justify yourselves. You justify yourselves before man, trying to be esteemed by this world, but God knows your heart. So I want to ask you this question in closing. Will you choose today to be emancipated and set free from sin because God's rescue plan is etched in the gospel of redemption? Yeah. And I want to leave you with this scripture. Hebrews 10, 14. For by a single offering, let's stop right there, one offering. That's all it took. One offering, not multiple attempts. It took one life. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified that's it it's finished someone had to die so that you and I could have life and that is the good news of the gospel and it is God's perfection remember that that rescues us from our imperfection amen amen, amen. There's an anointing in this house. There's an anointing in this house. The Holy Spirit is in here. He's moving. There's things happening right now. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm here to talk to you about renewal. Um, and I want to talk to you a little bit about myself and how I came to V1 and how God renewed myself. Uh, I was burnt out. I said, I don't want to do church no more. I don't want to, I want to have a relationship with you, Jesus. I want to have a relationship with you. But I just want to go to church, sit down on Sunday. I want to sit down in the back, listen to the pastor preach, go home. That's it. I don't want to do nothing else. I was burnt out. Um, then V1 College came about and I said, well, let me go to V1 College and let me say, hey, again, let me just sit there. I got on Sunday and then maybe in the afternoon I'll sit in there too. And I won't say nothing to anybody, maybe a high and by. That's about it. But then God called me out. 
and he came in and he said, I'm going to call you out because you cannot stand still. You have to be in movement. Movement. Say with me, movement. A river moves and it brings fresh water. But a pond, it has a stagnant water. And the stagnant water is dangerous for drinking. People will drink from you. So you get to the side. Are you going to be a fresh river or you going to be a stagnant water? You're going to be a river or you're going to be a pond? When you're a pond, people need to drink from you. And when they do, that's an environment for uh, bacteria and parasites. So think, what do you want to be? You want to be in the movement or you want to be stagnant? Listen to this and remember this. If you need to remember something from what I say is this. We just came from serious movement makers. Movement makers are dangerous people. And dangerous people are bad already. Let's say it again. Movement makers, say it. Movement makers are dangerous people. And dangerous people are bad already. So now let's be on moving. Let's get bad already. Let's get bad already. Let's get bad already. <laughs> Nehemiah 4, 17 and 18 says, Those who carry material did the work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. And each of the builders wore a sword on his side as he worked. The background story of this a little bit is that Jerusalem was in ruins, the walls were down, and people had no purpose, no hope. They were just sitting around doing nothing. But somebody came in like Nehemiah. Somebody's here today like Jesus Christ. He's here today. He's going to bring purpose. He's going to bring hope. He's bringing renewal to your life. He's bringing renewal to your life. What made Jerusalem dangerous to their enemies, what makes you dangerous, is the fact that you need to start moving. Say with me, I'm going to start moving. I'm going to start moving. I dare you. I dare you. And this is a challenge. Let me see how many of you accept the challenge. Download the V1 up and then sign up to the Dream Team. Sign up for the team. Sign up for connect groups. Let me see you get in movement. You see, you, you, need, you think you need to be perfect. You need to reach a certain level for you to, to start doing something. And then God is going to renew you. No, no, you got it wrong. You got to start moving and then you're going to get renewed. You got to start working and then the, build, the walls builds up. You can't wait for the wall to be built for you to start working. You got to get working, church. You got to get working. You got to get working. When you move, that's when the wall happens and your enemies are scared of you. That's when things start happening, church. We can't wait around and wait around and wait for things to happen. You got to make it happen because God has given you a purpose. God is renewing the purpose in you today. Don't wait. Don't wait. You're dangerous. You're dangerous. Say with me, you're da I'm dangerous. I'm dangerous. Woo! Woo! I'm bad already. I'm bad already. I'm a movement maker. I'm going to make it happen. I was saying during the week, during the week it's easy for me to get up and go to work because it's only one person. But since I'm a movement maker, Sunday is the hardest day because my whole family, we are movement makers. We got to make it happen. I'm going to raise my kids and I'm going to bring them to church because I'm a movement maker in my family. That's what you got to be. You are a movement maker, church. You are dangerous. You got to be battle ready because God wants to bring you to a point of restoration. Amen. Yeah. 
Now y'all know we had to close it out with a girl, right? Where are all my powerful women of God at? That's right. Pastor Daniel can speak and uh, preach in Spanish too, by the way. Isn't that pretty awesome? <laughs> so today I'm here to talk to you about restoration. And when I was praying about what God wanted to speak about today, I said, you know what? Instead of preaching about restoration, I think I'm just going to introduce you to the restorer. So the word in Hebrew for the God who restores is Eliashib. Eliashib, God who restores. Because restoration is not a concept. It's a person. The restorer. Jesus, the restorer. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I'm going to be reading out of Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. It says, he has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. Here, Hosea is prophesying about how he chastened Israel for a time and that how he will build it up again. But it's also a prophetic sign for, um, for us, for how to come to know Eliashib, the God who restores. And this is how I know him. So if it's okay, I just want to share a little bit about my own experience. So when I read this scripture the other day, I was so struck by its significance in our lives because Hosea knew something that I now know in my life that sometimes God has to take us to the pit to restore us. Of course, we don't want to hear that, right? Because we want God to be a genie that we ask him to do things and then he does it, right? And uh, I mean, at least that's what I wanted. You guys were real quiet in here. This was obviously a very frustrating tug of war between me and God because I would ask him for something and then it wouldn't happen and then I would get disappointed. And that was until I encountered him as the restorer. See, he brought me down into the pit like Hosea was talking about. He took everything away that I thought defined me and made me who I was and he crushed me. I wasn't sure if I'd ever make it out alive. In fact, I was pretty sure that I probably wouldn't. He had torn me to pieces. But it's in the pit where we learn about his love. It's in the pit where I learned his kindness. I learned of his love. The one touch of his love can change everything. I learned that he pursues me. He pursues my heart. That's where I learned that he captivates me. He reminded me that I don't have to chase him, but that he comes to me. I don't have to perform for him. He's already chosen me. He's right here as close as my breath. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. But I didn't know that when I was living in my own identity that I had created on my own. The structures that I had put up to make myself feel a false sense of security. It's in this pit that I learned that my broken filters that I saw myself through, the lies that I saw myself through, were not the way he saw me, but he saw me as a much-loved daughter, a royal heir, a child with inheritance. 
He flooded each of these broken places in my heart, the places where I felt powerless and weak and unheard and unseen and unknown and insignificant. He flooded them with, my, with his love. And then when he was finished flooding them with his love, he flooded them some more to overflow. You see, sometimes it's in the stripping away of everything that you know that he actually comes and restores. Think about a house. If you buy an old house and you have to renovate it, you have to take out the electricity and the plumbing. And what you're left with is this empty, broken frame. But you know what? Maybe you're that house right now. Maybe you're like, I don't know how he's gonna restore this, or I don't believe he's good in this because this looks like a mess. And I wanna tell you something about God. Restoration is not just, I'll put the plumbing back. It's not, I'll just put the electricity back. It's, I will restore it to better than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Because godly restoration is not just putting things back the way they were before you got broken. Godly restoration is going back to its original design. When God was dreaming you up in heaven, way before the foundations of the earth, he dreamed of what your life would be like and restoration is him bringing it back to that. Let's go back to my pit for a second, okay? So there I was completely stripped away. Now here I am, my life is so restored, so way past anything that I could ever imagine that to the point where I actually leak restoration. When people talk to me, they get restoration on them. When people look at me, they get restoration on them. You know why? Because he took this tiny little, very stubborn obedience and he turned it into something that brings him glory. Not because I'm good, but because he's good. And because of that, restor I get to be an image bearer of restoration to thousands of people because of one single touch from a loving father. And you have a good father that wants to take all the broken pieces of your life and he wants to restore them and he wants to create something more beautiful and more magnificent than you could ever imagine. He isn't a God that just forgives our sins and leaves us in the pit. He is a God that takes your pieces and creates a masterpiece. In the, in the next verse of Hosea, it says, after two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will restore us. The resurrection is restoration. Jesus is restoration. He went from the grave to life. And right now, can I have the prayer team up here? You guys can stand with me. This is an opportunity for every single one of you to receive your full restoration. Now, if you've never received Jesus, if you're with me on the live stream and you've never received Jesus, we are gonna pray a prayer. And if you want to receive him, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. If you're in your living room, I want you to raise your hand there too. I don't care if I can't see you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Will you let him restore you? Will you let him turn the pieces into a masterpiece? Will you take him back to original design? Will you let him take you back to what he originally dreamed up when he thought of you? So if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for offering me full restoration. I receive the forgiveness of my sins 
and I give my life to you. And I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you wanna get prayer, come up here. There's people to pray for you.